Okay, and welcome to the supplemental MLS Fantasy Insider podcast. If you listened to our last episode, you heard that we were plugging a Fantasy Questions 101 special podcast that we were going to be recording, and this is it. You have found it. So what we hope is that you're a new player and you're just ready to learn what's going on, or maybe you're an old player that's trying to get some friends involved and they just need some more questions answered, but we're too afraid to ask. We're going to cover as much as we can. We've worked up some questions, and we're going to start it off by just going through the website. So at first, I'm going to thank Paul and Simon for joining us and Scott for coming up with all of the questions for this session. Yeah, this should be a lot of fun. It's uh, it's difficult being a new player, and I think that hopefully we can help you kind of get over that curb quicker. Then then uh, you'll have a lot more fun this season. Yeah, the goal is always to to start strong. Uh, we'd like to see the the community grow, and uh, the, one of the ways to do that is to uh, help your teams get off to a good start this year. That way, you'll be interested in sticking around longer. <laughs> Definitely. So. We thought that most people would know where the fantasy site is, but we're just going to cover it from the bare, bare bottom bone basics. So if you want to play fantasy soccer, if you've loved MLS for a while, or if you've loved EPL and you, but you want to get into your domestic league, you're going to want to go to fantasy.mlssoccer.com. It's going to load up the website. It's got a great picture of Robbie Keane there right now. And at the very top right corner, if you haven't made an account already, that's where you're going to click and make, set up your account. You know, and actually you don't have to start there. You don't have to log in over there. You can actually click on the Start Playing button, and that gives you a chance to just sign in with some of the social media you already have existing. So you can you can sign in with Facebook, with Twitter, uh, your Google Plus account, and I think even your Microsoft account. So once you've signed in, you're going to go to one of these tools, either on social media or at the website, and you're going to make your team. At the top of your screen, you should see a bunch of links. Some of them have drop-down arrows. A lot of that, actually, you know what? I'm wrong. When you first sign in, it's going to take you to your team selection screen right at the top. You can't actually join leagues or do anything else until you make your first team. So my recommendation is to just do auto. That's going to give you 18 guys. That's going to fill your price cap. You don't know what that is yet, but we'll go over it soon. But that'll get you into the game. And once that starts, then you'll go to the top of your screen. You'll see all the bars. You'll click the drop-down arrow where it says My Team. Then you're going to go to Transfer Players. And this is where the fun begins. So right here, you're going to see your team on the left side. A lot of guys you may or may not know. In the middle, you're going to see the price that they are. And at the very top, you're going to see how many players of your 18 you have selected and how much budget of your $120 million that you have left. On the far right side, you have three drop-down options for navigating. The first one gives you all of your main choices of types of positions or types of teams where you want to draw players from. The second one is from that view how to sort them. So if you want to look at all sporty Kansas City players by who had the most yellow cards last year, that second box is where you're going to choose how you're sorting it. And the final box is going to give you a price range. So if you only have seven million dollars left and you want to try to find somebody in that range, that's where you're going to go just to help sort it down to a more reasonable number. Yeah, I would say on the first sort box, you're going to use that a lot because you're going to see uh, teams that have a really good schedule coming up or they have a double game week, and you're going to want to know who's on that team so you can list out the players individually by that team. Um, 
and also look by position because you know you might need to upgrade midfield or something like that. Or um, So that's good because you will be sorting by position and by team. And in that second box, I would say there's a couple important ones where you want to be able to sort by score, obviously, so you know who's performing well, price, so you know who's you know affordable within the different brackets and that kind of thing. Um, and then there's also, you can see who's transferring in, who's transferring out. Um, the value form is pretty good, too, and that tells you basically how many points per million dollars you spend on a player. So if you're looking for a bargain player, there's there's a lot of different different sort fields in there. So so play with those and, and kind of figure out what they are for yourself. So if you followed what I've said so far, you've got a list of 18 players on the left. This has changed a little bit from last year. There's no dragging and dropping. So if you want to swap out a guy, you have to first click on the player on your left. A little window will pop up, which has some options. The one you're going to want to do to change is click remove player. This takes him away and gives you a little blank silhouette of a shirt. Then you just find the player on the right side you want. Say you're swapping out your keeper. Click on your new keeper. Click add player, and that pops him into your team. Every player you add is going to be highlighted in yellow. If you finish with your transfer now, you have to click the Make Transfers button at the top of your screen, or if you reset the page, it's going to be gone. So make sure you do that before you leave. Because I know I've done it and gone, wait a minute, this is not who I had selected. What was I thinking before? Shoot. So you're just going to wash, rinse, repeat that for every position that you have until you get the team that you want. Just so you know, you can have a budget that's negative, and the game will not let you make your transfers at that point. You'll have to do some more fun tra trading until you get a positive or a zero budget remaining. Then once you've done that, click Make Transfers. You're going to click Confirm Transfers, and then it will take you to your lineup. If you want to know how to get here from any other page, if you go up to the My Team option again, the very first option is Set Lineup. That takes you to the current people in your squad. Yeah, and once you hit Enter Squad, if it's your very first time setting it up, that's when it's actually going to ask you to enter in a team name. And you'll be able to select your favorite team. When you select your favorite team, it's going to put you in that team's independent league, so the, the supporters league or whatever it is that they call it. So that's an important choice. So if you're one of the people that's trying to pick an easy team um, to compete against in that division, this is, where it, this is where it makes that selection. So once you have here, you're going to be defaulted to the summary view. And that's the option that's right above your keeper when you see that nice graphical interface. If you click on detailed view, it's going to be all numbers. Personally, I'm not a big fan of this view because I like to see the shirts and the names, and it's, it's just pretty. But to each their own. Again, last year, you could just drag and drop players to make transfers. You can't do it. So say you want to add that new keeper into your team, and he's sitting on your bench. You will click on the person on your bench, click the Substitute button, and that will highlight on the field picture which players you can move out. It's all based on formation. You have to have at least three defenders. You have to have at least three midfielders. And you have to have at least one forward. So that means you can't play with only two defenders. So you also have to have a goalkeeper. That's right. You also have to have a goalkeeper. We can't play without a goalkeeper. This is this is not Pee Wee Soccer. 
so that just means that you're you're bound by certain restrictions. So you can't have four forwards, five midfielders, and two defenders. So it's only going to highlight in orange the players that are eligible to be switched. So click on one player that you want to switch out, and again, you'll have a box that pops up, and you'll click Substitute. That'll move your players, and then you have to click Save Your Team for that to be... Excuse me. You have to click Save Your Team for that to be accepted. You do this the same way with changing your captain. You'll see a little black box with the letter C in it next to the player who's your captain, and that means he gets double points, so that is very important. You'll, if you want to change your captain, you click on the new player, not the current one, the new player who you want to be your captain, and you have a new option that's called Make Captain. And when you click that, it moves the C over to the right shoulder of that player, and again, make sure you click Save Your Team. That's the left shoulder. It's the right side as you're looking at your screen. <laughs> <laughs> but the player's left. So once you've clicked Save Team, has a little green box that pops up above that says, your team has been saved. Green is good, red is bad, and now you have a team that's ready to play. Yeah, another nice thing that's on your typical team selection page is a breakdown of the upcoming matches. So you can see what the matches are, when they are. Um, one thing I want to say about this is pay attention to the times that matches are starting because you want to make sure your team is locked in. Is it still 15 minutes before the first game? I believe so. Okay. Yes, yeah, so you want to make sure you're locked in before that. And then also, hard to see, but all the way at the bottom of the last matchup, there's also a next button. So you can go through and see you know, what the next round is and, and, and other stuff like that too. And the great thing about this year is for each round, you also have details of who has a bye week and who has a double game week. So that's at the very bottom below the nice little icons for the team logos. You'll have bye or multiple games and it will tell you which teams. So you know who you have to not have to have a full team. So once you've made your team, now you're going to have some fun with all of your friends or with the Fantasy MLS subreddit or with MLS Fantasy Boss. But you're going to want to join a league. So at the top of the page, about the fourth from the right, you see the word that says leagues. You click on that, and you're going to have an option to create or join a league. If you're joining a league, you should be able to have one of two things. The league code, which if you click join league, it will ask you to enter that code, and you can automatically be in. Or someone sent you an email, and if you click on that email, there's a link that will automatically add you to the league without having to even go to this place. There are public leagues and private leagues, so that just depends on if you know the people or not of who's made them. You don't necessarily have to know the people for a private league, though, do you, Reed? Uh, you don't necessarily have to, but that's usually the only way you're going to get the, the league invite, is if someone in the private league has told you their code. You'll see it other times also with supporter groups. Um, so if you have a small group of people that you don't necessarily know, but you can also, if you have a forum or something you discuss in, you can post the code there to a private league. Um, so it's not necessarily anybody can join it. You can still get that level of protection, still have a private league. But what if you want to make a league? No problem. When you're at that initial league page, the second red button says create a league. So you click on that. And then you have to choose between the two types of leagues, classic or head-to-head. -head. All this means is with classic league, it's going to go by points scored. So whoever has the most points wins. Head-to-head -head league is going to be a bit more like how soccer actually works with MLS. Each week, you'll play against another player from your league, 
and whoever wins will get three points. If you tie, you get one point, and if you lose, you get zero. Big goose egg. At the end of the year, whoever has the most points based on that way, so think of it as your own little MLS Fantasy Supporter Shield, that's the person who's going to win. There is a built-in tie-breaking system to MLS Fantasy, but you don't have to worry about that for another few weeks, so we'll just get right on. So click whichever league you want to make, choose your team name, you can also choose which round it starts in, so if you're joining in halfway through, no problem, go for it. And then just click Create League. You'll be presented with an option where you can enter in the email addresses of your friends who you want to join. That's when they'll get that link where they can auto-join. And you'll also be given your league code, and so you can share that with anybody else who you may not know their email. After that, everything else is just candy for you. You have a schedules button, which is going to show you the schedule for every week. You have an advice button, which is going to let you go to any of the helpful tips that people like myself or Travis from the MLS Fantasy subreddit have written to help you understand the upcoming weeks. You also have research, which is going to give you just some more breakdowns of stats and injury reports that are going to be helpful for making your trades. Injury reports are nice because if you've got somebody that's going to be injured, you want to make sure you're transferring them out, um, bringing in somebody that's not hurt. A lot of times you'll find like a cheap replacement in there too if somebody goes down, a starter goes down. Um, so that injury report button is pretty useful also. And of course the last button we've covered, I don't know why you would ever use it, is the logout button. But of course you click that, it's going to log you out, and then someone else can use the fantasy site. Just One remember though... That only one person from each household is eligible to win. So don't be going and loading up and having multiple teams and trying to game the system. You get one team, you get one chance, but it's all fun. One more thing on the leagues. You do get a set number of leagues that you can join. So you get a set number of, is it private and public leagues? I'm not sure what the what the limit is, but it is limited. So you can't just join, you know, 800 leagues. you got to kind of pick and select the ones that you want. And if anybody who's really new, I would really just join a regular public classic league because um, it's going to be your best chance for success. You know, if you can win a public classic league, you know, even if you, you're falling behind the, the eternals of the of the game, you still have a chance to kind of focus on that league and try to try to do the best you can in that league and then, you know, really, really keep yourself involved in the game for the whole season. That's right. The, the total is 15 leagues of public and classic combined, and I can go ahead and recommend the Extra Time Radio League. That is the official MLS podcast. They always have a league. Last year they even had a league for new people. And so only people who this was their first year could be in that league. I'm sure they'll have that again, but that's a great one for you to join. If your league gets over 750 members, hint, hint, like the r slash fantasy MLS league, that league becomes eligible from prizes in addition from MLS to the overall prizes. Last year it was a $200 gift card, and I think it's going to be the same thing this year. So keep an eye out for those. So I think that covers everything with the website. Might have been fast. Fortunately, this is a podcast, so you can fast forward and slow down. Sorry if we stumbled through. We actually decided to review the website right before we started this podcast. But the main reason you may be here is for questions. And Scott has worked up a great set that we're going to go over now. So, Scott, take it away. Yeah, I've been playing Fantasy MLS for th th three years now. Yeah, this will be my third year. So I was just trying to think back a couple of years and try to remember some of the stuff that that I had to figure out for myself and some of the things that other people have asked us in the past year. I know Reed gets a lot of them too since he's kind of in the forefront of the community. Um, so, so I just kind of thought back 
came up with a list. I know it's not, a, you know, everything that you might know, but we just wanted to cover some of those basic stuff so that you can feel comfortable starting in the game. And if you have more, join us on Reddit, join us on MLSFantasyBoss.com, um, post comments on the on the podcast. We're happy to answer questions. You know, we want you to, to have the best chance possible. So starting off, the first one is, when do I use my wild card? But I think a better question might be, what is a wild card? I feel like Paul will be really good with this since he's done so well the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, well, wild card is uh, the opportunity to make unlimited transfers during the course of a round. So if you don't like your team, maybe you, a couple of your guys are going on international duty, another couple are injured, one other guy got a red card, and you just want to scrap the whole thing and start over. Well, that would be a perfect opportunity to use your wild card. Uh, you'll notice that this year there's actually several unlimited transfer uh, rounds, so you'll want to keep an eye out for those uh, and factor that in when you're going to use your wild card. You probably don't want to use your wild card right before a round where you have the opportunity to essentially uh, have a built-in wild card. I don't know. While I'm talking, maybe, Reed, you can figure out which rounds those are or find them. Um, but the... My strategy behind the wild card is it's different for everyone. Uh, you want to use it when you need it. Uh, for me, that means whenever I'm going to probably uh, make five or more transfers, I'm sure we'll get into every time you make a transfer, uh, you get two free each week. Um, but then after that, you, it's actually a four-point deduction if you want to make any additional transfers per transaction you make. Um, so for me, if I'm going to make five or more transfers, I definitely want to consider using a wild card because a 12-point hit would be uh, pretty substantial. Um, but it's, it really depends. It's whenever that moment comes where you just want to hit, hit a reset. For sometimes, for some people, that could be round two. For others, it could be round 25 or anywhere in between. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the wild card can be used for a lot of different reasons. I think the uh, main thing is don't panic the first week, all right? Your team might have done badly, but that doesn't mean you necessarily have a bad team. Don't don't hit that wild card right away. You're going to want to save that because other things will come up. The Gold Cup is this year, so you're going to want that maybe to get some of those international guys off your team. Um, you know, there's going to be double game weeks, which we'll talk about later, where you want to optimize your team for double game week so that you can maximize your points. So there's a lot of different reasons, so... Number one thing I would say on this question is just don't panic. Don't don't you know don't hit it first week. But if you do panic, be sure that you have a towel with you. Throw it over your head, and then no one can see you. <laughs> uh, I did look up those those unlimited transfer periods. So for people who may not know, round one, which is where we are right now, is unlimited. So no point hits. You have another one in round 15, which is getting close to the Gold Cup. You have a third one in round 27, then you have another a fourth one in round 32 and in round 33. So you have two of them back-to-back -back before the last round of the season. So there's no excuse to not have a full team and take advantage of all the crazy double game weeks around those times. And like Paul said, you get one free wild card to use any time in the season as you reset, as your middle of the gold cup help or the holy cow Half my team has a red card. This sucks. Reed, what were those weeks again one more time? I want to write that down myself. Round 1, round 15, round 27, round 32, and round 33. 
If you want to find this on the website, at the top of the screen, find the About button, click for the drop-down, go to Rules. You'll have a selection of red boxes with pluses next to them. Click on the one that says Transfers, and it'll expand and give you everything right there. You know, speaking of that, that tab right there, I want to, before we get to the second question, I want to um, go back over the point scoring system because we didn't really cover that, and I think that that's, uh, that can be a confusing thing for a new player. Sure. So, so let's, un yeah, let's just start. How do how do goalkeepers earn points? So unlike Fantasy Premier League, which m most of you all might be familiar with, MLS players get points for how they perform. In Premier League, that's just goals and assists and actually showing up, and then some magical guys in a room someplace decide about bonus points. In MLS, you get what you earn. So a keeper is going to get points for playing. He's going to get points for shutouts. He's going to get points for stopping penalty kicks. He's also going to get points for what we call CBIs, which is clearances, blocks, and interceptions, and points for recoveries. Now, they also get penalty points, too. I mean, not penalty points, but they also get dock points for certain things, right? Indeed. If you concede a goal, you don't get a clean sheet bonus. So that means if you get a clean sheet, give up no goals, you get four extra points. If you give up a goal, you just don't get that. If you give up two goals, you get a minus one. And then for every additional two, let me check, I have to check real quick myself. Yes, for every two goals you concede, you get another minus one. You also get minuses if you are scored on by a PK. Personally, I've always felt that's kind of harsh on a goalkeeper, but if someone scores on you, that still counts toward that goal total. Also, for yellow cards and red cards, you get a minus. So if you get a yellow card, you're going to lose one. If you get a second one, you're going to get a red card, and you lose three. And you also drop .2 in value. So red cards are going to be extra harsh this year on players. And we almost forgot saves. That's unique for a keeper. Every three saves that a keeper gets, he gets a point. Now, all these stats, if you're wondering who comes up with this, it's done by Opta. And they're the ones that keep track of everything, and I partner with MLS to tell them how many points to calculate. Yeah. Now, for goalies, some of the key things that I look for are recoveries. Goalies tend to get a lot of recoveries and a lot of saves, so if you have that going for you, um, that's good. You can get a goalkeeper that scores a couple more points than the average. Um, penalty saved is obviously hit or miss, and you can't really bank on that. And clean sheets would be the other thing that I look for in a goalie. Um, now, defenders are pretty much the same, right? Read. Yeah, I was see if Paul wanted to do it. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, defenders are pretty much the same. They still have that plus four for clean sheet and the minuses for giving up goals. They're much better at getting CBIs than a goalkeeper is, uh, but they can also get points from scoring goals. A keeper can too, but it's not as likely. So uh, a defender can get points from goals and assists as well as those crucial recoveries and CBIs. And they actually get more points for scoring a goal than a midfielder or a forward would, so they get six points for that. And they I think we should, we should talk about CBIs, and I think Paul probably is the best person to explain what a CBI is, what a recovery is, and how you get points from that. Sure. So uh, CBI is, is short for clearances, blocks, and interceptions. Uh, basically, as 
you'll see your center backs typically get more of these as they're typically more involved as attacking goes down the middle or they slide over to the right and left to cover for their, their full backs. So they just find themselves just around the ball more, which gives them more opportunities to, to head the ball away, kick it away, to steal it from the attacker. Um, and those all add up, and you get one point for every six. So if you have three blocks and three interceptions and six clearances, well, that's a total of 12, um, which would result in two points because of that. Recoveries are uh, where maybe there's a long ball, it misses the, the forward attacker, uh, but your defense is there to recover it. Uh, the, the most simple form of a recovery is actually typically goalies. Uh, keepers get them when uh, you know they they not necessarily stop a shot, but uh, maybe a through ball went a little bit too long, or uh, yeah, they re they recover the ball so to speak. And six of those also earns you one point. Um, so that's another reason I I like uh, center backs in general or anyone who's going to be around the ball uh, ball hawk so to speak, because uh, they're going to have more opportunities to rack up those bonus points. Yeah, now there's one thing that tends to stick out on goalkeepers and defenders, and that's that a defender, goalkeeper, actually anyone on the field, but, well, midfielders, defenders, and goalies, but you can actually get a clean sheet bonus if your team doesn't keep a clean sheet. How does that happen? Sure, that happens when your player plays 60 or more minutes, uh, and then likely they're subbed off, and that's where it's... The most common example would be you, you have a defender who's starting or a keeper who's starting, I guess, uh, and they play the first 60, 65, 70 minutes, but then the, the coach decides to sub them off uh, while, the, while they've still yet to concede in the game. Uh, at that point, if they've played more than 60 minutes, they still qualify for the clean sheet bonus, uh, even if their team concedes late in the game at that point. The one exception for qualifying for the clean sheet bonus would be as if you played your minutes, but you were ejected from the game due to a red card. At that point, you're, you kind of hit with a double whammy where you get minus three points for the red card, and you also would be dinged for any goals that your team con concedes even while you're off the pitch. And you're so clinical with these definitions. You want to go ahead and go over midfielder scoring while you're at it? And the key stats that you look for when you're picking midfielders? Yeah, midfielders, um, I typically look for attacking midfielders. I want... As you're transitioning from your defense and your goalies, you want people who are going to prevent goals, and then midfields forward, you, you want people who are going to contribute to the attack, uh, get assists and goals. So for midfielders, I really look at a couple things. I look for the playmakers of the team, whoever's going to be in the, the central attacking midfield for a lot of teams, uh, people who are going to be on set pieces, who are going to be on corner kicks, people who are just going to be around the ball and, and have the opportunity to, to get those assists and goals. Um, key passes uh, are a pass, which I believe the definition is leads directly to a shot on goal, and you get one point for every three of those key passes. Some of the, the better attackers in the league, your Javier Moraleses, Pedro Moraleses, Graham Zutzis, uh, they can rack up up to six in a game, so you can get two bonus points just because they're the ones slinging the ball out in front of goal for their, their forwards to get to get a shot off. There's also a cross bonus, isn't there? Right, and sometimes those can overlap. So a corner kick, for example, if uh, and crosses are also one point for every three. Uh, so a corner kick, for example, if you were to, to do a, a cross in the box and, and someone gets a header on target, uh, that could double as a cross that uh, 
your player got on the end of, then it also would count as a key pass if it led to a shot on goal. That's um, so the key that, element there is in the box, because if you're at midfield and cross it just switching the field, that's nothing. Good point. Good point, yeah. The definition of a cross is, is one, like you said, that it's in the box. That's uh, So basically for midfielders, what we're looking for is key passes, um, assists, crosses, and goals, correct? Yeah, what, what leads to that is someone who has to, gets to be on the ball often, and, and usually it's the creative midfielder. Um, there, there's some people, or there's some wingers, for instance, that are, are kind of out there on an island, and, and they'll get their few touches a, a game and their, their breakaways. But, so you, and, you, and mentioned, you mentioned set pieces. So you're saying if someone's taking a corner kick, they can actually end up with a cross, a key pass, and an assist, correct? Correct. And a big chance created as well. If that's, I believe that's still part of the scoring system this year. So uh, it doesn't happen often, but uh, th those add up. Those opportunities add up. So you want to be someone. You want to get people on your team who are going to be serving the ball uh, and setting up their uh, teammates to to score goals. Excellent, Reed. Do you remember what the restrictions are on how an, how an assist counts? They have two ways to get an assist. They have uh, first assists and second assists. And uh, like Paul was saying, it, it has to be the last person to touch it before the scorer made his, made his goal. Now, if this is deflected off a keeper, that's not going to count. Uh, deflected off a defender or something like that, that's not going to count. The second assist is the person who passed it, the ball to the player who passed it to the guy who scored. Personally, yeah. I hate it. I, this is, I don't think it makes any sense at all but they still get three points for that. Um, now, if the shot deflects off of a player, say you are playing against L.A., coming down, you shoot the ball, and it bounces off of Omar Gonzalez and goes into the goal. That's potentially an own goal and not an assist because the key element is would the ball have gone in otherwise. If it was on target and Omar knocks it in, it's still a goal. The guy who passed it still gets an assist. If it was off target and it hits Omar and goes in, it's now an own goal. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, guys in the black room in EPL that determine who the top performers are in the game. We have our own guys in a black room in MLS Fantasy that determine what a second assist is, and I don't think that anybody really knows. So just, you know, that that's very hinky. So, you know, don't, don't plan on banking on second assists by any means. And there weren't that many last year, so I think... No, I think Henri got them all. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not consistent. Um, the The rule of thumb is the person who's making the the pass to the primary assister. It has to all be a fluid action that leads to the goal. You can't have someone who's just sitting in the corner and then passes it backwards twenty yards, uh, and then that person, after five or eight seconds, makes a, a clinical pass in the box, and then that person puts it away. It has to be directly uh, uh, relating to the goal that scored to get that second assist. What that exactly means, as I said, it's it's a gray area. All right, all that's left is forwards, Reed. What do you, uh, anything different on scoring for forwards? Nothing's really different from last year. Forwards do get the fewest points for scoring a goal, because that's that's their job. And that's five, same as midfielders, one less than a defender or a goalkeeper. Forwards also get points from assists, and personally, that's what I like to look for in a forward. Some guy who's going to share the ball, because that's what's going to put them above the other guys who are just sitting around waiting to try to score. So you really need a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to a forward for those point generations. But you're looking for goals, looking for assists. They're in a good position to get key passes 
and to get big chances created. So. All right. Well, that's a good rundown on the points. Let me just summarize this. Um, you guys yell at me if I miss something, but for keepers, I'm probably looking for recoveries, saves, and shutouts. Um, defenders, I want CBIs and recoveries, somebody that's going to be active in the middle of the field. Also, shutouts are important for a defender. If I'm looking for a midfielder or a forward, I want somebody that's going to be active in the attack, going to be getting assists as well as goals and key passes, um, creating big chances and that kind of thing, correct? Nailed it. Excellent. All right. Well, let's go back to the questions. Uh, next question is, when will I know who is starting a game and where to find the info? Reed, you're the man on this one for sure. Twitter's a fantastic source for this. Most teams are going to be publishing their starting lineups before the game starts. Again, you have this 15-minute window, so sometimes it doesn't happen, but Twitter is a fantastic resource for that. Now, as far as knowing who is going to start the game, you get an idea of who the regular starters are throughout the year. Injuries are something that can affect this. International call-ups are something that can affect this. We try to keep people informed about that at the fantasy subreddit, r slash fantasy MLS, and MLS itself, if you back at the top of the screen, under the research area, has injury reports, and that also tends to include who might be in trouble for having too many yellow cards or red cards and could be missing a game. Now, you mentioned Twitter for the new deal out the lineups as soon as they come out that the teams tend to post them. When are teams supposed to post their starting lineups? How much time before a game? You know, I don't actually know if there is a rule for when they're supposed to post them, but it's always game day. Um, and so you want to follow the main Twitter accounts for each team. And someone always says, here's our starting XI for for all of this, starting 11. Here's our starting 11 for all for this. And most of the time it seems to happen between an 30 minutes, sometimes an hour before the game starts. But it all depends on when the coach actually submits his information to the referees. That's good to know. I always thought it had to be an hour before. It always seems like that's when they tend to come out, um, an hour before kickoff. And another good place that I want to point out is MLSFantasyBoss.com. There's a, there's a chat uh, plug-in or widget on the site, and guys that are in there regularly, they always post the, the lineups as soon as they come out. So if you're looking and you don't want to go hunting all the different team feeds, go on there. They're normally posted and uh, very reliable and um, a lot of guys are discussing those last-minute transfers and stuff that you might want to do, so it's a great source for that type of information. All right, Paul, I'm going to ask you this next question. We kind of covered this in our last podcast, but I want you to break it down again since uh, you do a great job of analyzing the game and the advantages that you can find within it. Uh, what is the big deal with home versus away games? Yeah, well, uh, players who especially attackers, it's a general philosophy that when you're at home, you, you want to try and score as many goals as possible. you got your home crowd there. It's an entertainment uh, product. Um, so you're going to be playing a more aggressive and attacking brand of soccer. It's typically it's a rule of thumb. Uh, but when you're at home, whereas when you're away, uh, sometimes the tactic is to just try and get a draw, uh, play more defensive, uh, so with that in mind, you, you typically find that your big scorers uh, tend to have big games at home. So there's definitely an advantage on the offensive end, and then on the defensive end as well. Um, if you're playing against a team who tend to packing it in or bunker a little bit more, um, they're not going to have as many opportunities or look for as many opportunities to necessarily score. 
Uh, and because of that, your defenders are going to have a higher probability of getting a clean sheet. So rule of thumb is, you know, your fantasy players are going to score more when they're at home. Uh, there was an article done by Travi the Rabbi last year that basically said that there's about a one-point advantage for a home player versus uh, an away player. So it's it's definitely tangible, and it's definitely something to keep in mind when you're building your roster to look at the schedule. There's a, a good chart on MLSFantasyBoss.com that breaks breaks down the home and away and the rotations, and, and uh, uh, definitely something to factor in while you're making your initial lineup. So I shouldn't necessarily, you know, take hits and stuff just to make sure all my players at home. But when I'm looking at picking a player, I should keep their schedule in mind. And, you know, if they have a lot of home games, I should expect a couple more points out of that player. I think that's fair. I, I think uh, you don't want to look at it on a week-by-week -week basis, but look at a group of games, maybe maybe four to five games. And if you see a, a player has three out of their next five at home, then, then you definitely factor that in versus uh, a player who's maybe playing four of their next five away. Um, yeah, yeah, and like I said, it goes across the board, too. That that advantage plays for, for keepers, for defenders, midfielders, and forwards. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's, I, I'd say rule of thumbs, I try and have seven or eight of my 11 starting players at home each week. Doesn't That's always just work. what I was going to ask you. Do you have, and Reed, I wanted you to answer this question, too. Do you have a set number of players that you try to, to make, say I have at least this many home players in? Uh, personally, I don't. I don't have a set number. Seven to eight sounds like a great thing to strive for, though. But um, like I said, sometimes whenever you identify those chi bosses of, sorry, chi boss fans, whenever you identify those chi bosses of the of the season, then you can be more okay with an away game. But yeah, having seven to eight is good. It becomes really important during double game weeks. A lot of times people try to have have even more than that, maybe around nine or ten. But yeah, I'd say six to eight. Yeah, you know, I think Quincy Ameriqua did a great job when you had him on the podcast going over the difficulties of playing on the road and the travel and the extensive travel that we have in this country and, you know, just waking up in a in a different environment and the coach kind of setting the schedule versus different players and, you know, playing on different fields and, you know, playing in front of hostile crowds. You know, he really explained that. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of mental wear. It really is. So, so the, the difference makes sense. All right, here's another question I'm going to ask both of you guys to answer for me. How many starting players should I have? How many and how many bench players that are should I have? I know you it's have 11. <laughs> but on the bench, should I have starters there or should I just have 4 million dollar guys who are actually playing in USL Pro? I think the answer is different for everyone. I think many of the people who uh, want to be very competitive this year will say and, and check their teams multiple times or at least once a week, um, they'll tell you that you want to have your studs, you want to have your starters, and then if someone goes down or gets a red card or whatever the case is going to miss a, a future game, well, then you can just you know make a transfer and, and make the adjustment. Uh, but ultimately, it's, it's going to be your big stars that get the points. Now, for some people who are more casual, who... Uh, are a little bit less uh, up to up to the minute as far as news goes and, and questionable injuries. Well, then it's good to have one or two or th even three players on the bench that you know if, if for whatever reason your guy doesn't start, you have someone that comes in there and gets you a few points as well. Now the game offers you I think six bench spots plus a keeper bench spot, so seven bench spots. Uh, it'd be very hard to make a compelling argument that you want to use a majority of those bench spots. So I, I think because then you just won't have the 
the talent to, in your starting 11, and you'll get less points each week. So I think for everyone it's a little bit different, but anywhere between zero subs and, and up to three subs I think uh, is reasonable. That sounds pretty good. What do you think, Reed? I agree with a lot of that. It, it really comes down to just someone's personal preference. You, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I, I'd actually recommend if this is your first year playing, have someone on the bench. They changed how subs work this year. So you have the option before a round starts to either say, I want MLS Fantasy to automatically make a sub for me if one of my starting players scores. Actually, it's not scores. If one of my starting players does not play. In that case, if you have a sub on your bench he will, and he plays, he will automatically get moved into your starting team for calculating your points at the end. If you're a more advanced player or experienced player or an adventurous newcomer, you can go with manual subs. So this means if you have someone on your bench, if they have not played and someone in your starting 11 has not played, you can manually say, nope, I like this matchup, I want this guy to play, or you can say, nope, I just found out that guy's injured, I want this to play, so it gives you some more options. So if you're new, I'm going to recommend maybe you get one. If you're more experienced, no bench. That's my personal approach this year. No bench, save the money, just go all out. Have 11 starters. Yeah, I would say, I would say if you're brand new, you definitely would have a sub or possibly even two. Um, that's hard, though. I mean, you don't want too many. Three sounds like a lot to me because then you're starting to really spend more money where you shouldn't. You should be getting better better midfielders, better forwards. Um, but, yeah, just uh, don't fill your team up with all starters. I don't even think you can, but don't try. All right, uh, I'm going to go back to Paul because Paul is the king of the hits. So, Paul, could you tell us what a hit is and why you would ever take one? Yeah, yeah I get a, a reputation for that. But a hit is when you use your two transfers. You get two transfers each week, and you can even get up to a third free transfer. If yeah, you... explain that for a second. Yeah, so you, you get two transfers each week that are free. Uh, they don't cost you anything. But if you fail or if you choose not to use both transfers... Uh, and have at least one left, uh, up to one can carry over to the following week, which would then give you uh, three transfers, uh, three free transfers for the subsequent week. So there's some strategy there where uh, if you have a pretty good team and you don't necessarily want to make a transfer for the sake of making a transfer, well, then you can carry one over to the next week uh, and then do uh, a broader team overhaul with uh, the three tra free transfers. Any uh, transfers in addition to your free ones will cost you four points. So then the question becomes, when is it worthwhile to, to take such a hit? And uh, it's not very easy to quantify. Um, it, it's more than just, well, will player X score four more points than player Y? because you also have to take into account future game weeks uh, for what that player you're going to bring in versus the player that you would be uh, taking out. So uh, an instance where it would be acceptable, in my opinion, to take a hit would be where maybe you, your player's injured and, uh, the, and you want to bring someone in who potentially has a double game week the next week. So he has the potential to score 10-plus points next round. Uh, when your options otherwise are to uh, either play with 10 men or have someone come in off your bench who's you know a less than stellar player, well then it would make perfect sense to to take a hit then because the not only will the 10 points outweigh the four or five you get from your bench player, uh, but then you 
if that player also has a, a good schedule moving forward. Uh, yeah, so you, you, there's a lot of things to factor in there. I would definitely advise caution uh, to taking a lot of hits, especially early on in the season. Uh, it's inevitable that um, one or two of your players in your starting 11 aren't going to score a goal. Maybe you'll have a forward, you know, maybe even a, a stud forward like a Robbie Keane or a, a Bradley Wright Phillips. They just don't score in week one. It happens. Um, and you'd be tempted to feel like, well, I don't want to fall behind. I better, I better take a hit. I better change four or five guys. It's not necessarily the way to do it. Um, wait for an opportunity where... I like to have an opportunity, or I like to find a situation where I want to make wholesale changes, maybe switch formations. Maybe I'm going three in the back at, at first, but then I want to downgrade uh, one of my high-priced forwards for a, a budget option that comes to mind, and then go with five defenders in the back. And, and to do that, I would need all three transfers or, or potentially take hits. So there's a lot of moving pieces there, uh, but the this to simplify it and to sum it up, don't go hit crazy, but when you find an opportunity where you can benefit in the long run, don't be afraid to take hits either. Yeah, I think that's a great summary, um, especially when you're starting. You're not necessarily going to have, you know, know what the best move is, so to pay extra and to take negative four points on that is, uh, is a little bit dangerous. So I would say don't be afraid to take a hit, don't be afraid to take two hits, but don't go, you know, eternal crazy and take, what is the biggest hit you've ever taken, Paul? Oh, he's done a 12, I know it. Oh, he's <laughs> done a 32, I think. <laughs> I've done a couple 16s. Uh, one actually paid off the, the week that I did it. Um, and, it, and it was great because then I had my team set up how I wanted for the next three weeks afterwards. The other time, I, I took a minus 16. I calculated, It was six transfers, right, because I had two free transfers plus the four to total 16 hits. So the six players that I transferred out scored 24 more points than the six players I transferred in. So it was a Ouch. net 40-point loss. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, it, it can it can hurt you. and <laughs> it, It's definitely something you want to use in moderation. Uh, yeah. A lot of people will say in your first year you don't want to take more than maybe a hit every other week. Uh, that's probably it. Even that sounds high to me. Yeah, I mean, Fantasy MLS gives you two free transfers every week with the uh, opportunity to carry one over. And let's not uh, forget, we've got five unlimited transfer weeks this year. Exactly. So, I mean, there's sufficient amount of free transfers. Uh, I'd say you're going to get the most bang for your buck when it comes down to maximizing double game weeks. And there are none in the first five weeks of the season. So take the first four or five weeks to figure out the game, find the right players, and then I think uh, things will start to fall in place as we get into double game weeks, uh, which players are must-haves for, for those rounds. And uh, you worth taking a hit for those players in those situations. And this is one of the big things I stress to my friends who play Fantasy Premier League. Without With the different bonus system, it's much easier to absorb one of these minus four hits if you have to take it, and so you don't have to have so much pride and I did a whole season without taking a minus four. It's, it's, it's more forgiving, and it's definitely easier if you're trying to learn the game or switch over from a new season. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Uh, now, this comes later down in the list, but you brought up formations, Paul, so I'm going to ask um, what are the different formations that you guys go with or what are the different advantages of different formations? And, Reed, I know you do a lot of talking about this on using your charts and stuff like that, so can you kind of run through your philosophy on that? For me, uh, I, I like going few defenders, at least at the start of the season, before you find out who's got a good defense. So I like doing three in the back. I like having 
it, it gets more foggy with forwards. Uh, currently, I'm planning on going... Um, let me count my head real quick. I like going uh, a 5-2 for, for midfielders and forwards. So a 3-5-2 is what I like to go with just because of we have so many midfielders in MLS who can get those goals and get those assists, and, and I like it. Uh, but we have some great forwards as well, so I don't want to necessarily go a 4-5-1 with someone up top. Two years ago, defenders were awesome, and so people with five defenders in their back were just racking up points. You have to wait to find out if it's going to be a 2014 or a 2013 year. So wait a few games. <laughs> oh, my phone's ringing. <laughs> so wait a few games. It's a little bit of Doctor Who. Uh, wait a few games. See see what it's going to look at. Uh, you might want to run a 4-4-2 if you're kind of scared and you want to hedge your bets. Or you might want to go a 5-4-1 if defenders are just rocking it out. So it, it it's a play style. It's a personal preference. Uh, but a lot of it is just reacting to what the league's doing. you feel the same way, Paul? I do. I, I think Reed summed it up. Uh, especially those who have played Fantasy Premier League uh, will tend to go with three in the back. That's where um, your least explosion is going to happen as far as players who are explosives and, and can put up a lot of points. Uh, and then also, like Reed said, uh, early in the season, you don't know which defenses are going to be uh, have gelled yet and, and uh, have that ability to, to keep other teams off the score sheet. Um, so if you want to hedge your bet, 4-4-2 four, four, is good. Uh, my main rule would be you got to have at least four midfields of midfielders if not five there are so many big play creators especially this year in the say the 8 to 9.5 million dollar range that is worth stock loading up on, on the midfield whether you go one forward or two forward or even three forwards um, you know depends who you get and depends week to week what the schedules are um, but I'd lean more towards fewer in the back and and then a heavy mid midfield is is my preferred way but you know, when double game weeks roll around and, and you can get uh, some good cheap midfielders, or excuse me, some good cheap defenders um, who will play two matches in a round, then, you know, it's worth uh, allocating more resources back there. But based on, on my research thus far, it's you want to have your, your money in the attack. So I, I at this point, I couldn't justify going five in the back. Reed mentioned in 2013 there were a lot of clean sheets to start the year. Uh, that year, almost all the defenders were priced $7 million or less, or 6.5 or less even. So there yeah. was definitely uh, that that played something. You get more value there. If you can get all the, the stud center backs for 6.5 or $7 million, then it's, it makes more sense for this year where they're you know, between 8 or $9 million. Yeah, it makes sense. What you guys are saying is basically play this more like FIFA than real soccer. You want to, you know, I mean, right. and be flexible. I mean, don't, you know, don't plan like you're putting a real team out there. You know, your defense can be four center backs or three center backs. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have a left back or right back. And when you're playing midfield, you don't, you don't have to have somebody that's, you know, right wing or left, you know, you know what I mean? You can just put whoever you want. You can have five, five attacking midfielders, four, three center backs, and then two forwards um, yeah. and kind of, kind of juggle, you know, and don't be set in one particular way, be willing to flow with it and be willing to, to set up the team that's going to be the best for you. Yeah, I think uh, it comes down to ceilings for me, and you look at defenders, um, they'll get, you know, clean sheets, you know, one out of three games or whatever, but their ceiling is still seven or eight points. Yeah, if they score a goal, they can go big, but I think the leading scoring defender last year had four goals. You, you can't really predict that. Um, whereas you look at the midfielders and you know the, your creators, your Javier Morales and your Zussis, um, 
Chapman and your Higuain. So those are the players who uh, can score double digits, you know, every other week. Um, and you want to, you know, you want to go for the gold. You want you, you want to try and win it. You don't want to just get people who are going to sit in the back and, and get you four points one week, and then you know, if everything goes right, get you seven points. You you need a few weeks where where you you, you get the player who scores 15 plus points. That's going to help propel you up the, the leaderboard. It's a good point too. It's a good point too. Okay, the next question we kind of covered. How are points scored? We did that in the beginning. I thought it would be important for people to already have that information in them as we went through the other topics. So we'll go ahead and skip that now. We also covered how head-to-head -head works as opposed to classic league. One thing I want to point out during head-to-head -head is if you do take a hit, it is going to affect your ability to perform in there. So if you and your opponent score the same exact points, but you have a hit, you're losing because you lost those four points for the week. So keep an eye out for that if you're really trying to win a head-to-head -head league. Um, and then the next question, what are transfers and when do I use them? We covered that pretty well also. Um, I want to go into this one more time, though, and can you guys give me some of the deadlines that, that apply? Like, when can I do my transfers? When do I have to have my lineup lock? When can I make my last transfer? That kind of thing. Yeah, this year is a little bit different. I, I actually just looked at this, and they actually lock exactly at the opening kickoff of, of the round. So it's not 15 minutes before, but it's actually right when the, the kickoff is scheduled for the first game of the round. At that point, you can no longer make any transfers that will be effective for that round. In fact, they actually this year it's new. They actually just lock, um, and they reopen then, I think, the Monday morning after the last game of the round. So you can't make any roster moves uh, during that time. The one exception would be as if you chose uh, manual substitutions. At that point, I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but... Uh, the deadline is actually for each individual game. Now you that, would, that would be for training a player out of your team, not necessarily for making a transfer, though, correct? Correct. I'm talking about inside your team. Uh, maybe uh, someone maybe you, someone who you, you expected to start, you find out that starting lineup because you're looking at MLS Fantasy Boss's chat, and you're like, oh, no, my guy isn't starting. Well, if you've chose manual substitution, maybe we're going into a different topic here, but if you chose manual substitutions, at that point you would be able to switch out uh, that player for someone who has yet to play. Um, but as far as transfers are concerned, uh, it's at the very beginning of the game for the first round, and they do not open up again until the Monday afterwards. And sometime between that Sunday and Monday is when price changes occur. So unlike previous years, there's no... Uh, taking advantage of potential price increases prior to knowing or with additional knowledge of how they play uh, and engaging the market. This year, it, it just all happens while the market's closed, and then you wake up Monday morning and, and your team either rose in price or rose in value or fell in value. Okay, so starting, I have to make sure I have all my transfers in before the first kickoff of the first game of the week. So that could be a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I imagine. Do we don't have any Tuesday or Monday games this year, do we? Not off the top of my head that I know of. Okay, so I want to make sure I'm on that before the first game. And then I'm not allowed to make another transfer until the following Monday, correct? Correct. Excellent. And if I have if I have it on manual transfers, I can I can switch my team around up until the point that their that, that person's game starts. Um, but if I'm on so if one of my players isn't starting, I can sub him out. Um but if I have it on auto-subs, then I'm basically done. My team is locked in, and I'm not doing anything with my team until the following Monday. Yeah, I mean, Correct. for new players, auto-sub 
is is going to make a lot of sense because the the transfers will happen automatically when the round's over. You'll you'll get your points from your bench guy because your initial starter didn't start. So it you takes said transfers, but I think you meant substitutions. Thanks for thank you. Yeah, at that point, um, you'll still get points because your your bench player will sub in automatically. Um, it, unless you know what you're doing, or, or at least taking a couple weeks to uh, figure out um, the the inner workings of, of manual substitutions, I, I think it's a safer and more prudent way to just select auto subs and let the game take care of it. You're not losing anything by doing that, as long as you uh, put your substitutes in an order. And I think they're numbered at the bottom of your screen, uh, the order in which you'd want to come want them to come in in the event that one of your starters does not start. Yeah, now let's dig deeper into transfers with the next question. If my player's having a bad game, can I sub him out, Reed? No, if he's having a bad game, you cannot sub him out. The manual substitutions only apply to players who have not played. Just because your guy might get a zero or a negative does not mean that you can pull him out of your game. Now, if you have an auto-sub, it will just make that for you. But it's still only for players who do not play. That's the key. Okay, now what if one of my players is, uh, let's say I have three defenders, and, or no, let's say I have five midfielders, one of my midfielders doesn't play, does does my other midfielder get subbed in? How does that work? It's a good question. You have to still stick with the formation rules. So you can never have six midfielders playing. So if you've got six midfielders and one of them doesn't play, I think I said that wrong. <laughs> Sorry about that. If It still has to fit the formation, so you can't have six midfielders. So if one of your defenders doesn't play, there we go, and your first sub is a midfielder, it will skip to your next one. So that's why it's crucial to make sure you have the order set up correctly because you can't break the set formations. Okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. Do you have anything to add on that, Paul? As far as transfers, I mean, not transfers, but substitutions and auto subs, manual subs, any other, any other fine points that we should know about? Yeah, I, I think Reed pretty much summed it up. Just make sure they're in the order you want them to come in. Uh, you have to stick within the parameters of, of the rule formations, like Reed said. Um, and, and then, you know, if, if your first guy who's number one on, on your list to come in can't come in because of a, a parameter, or you're breaking the parameters, it would give you six midfielders, for example, uh, then it would just automatically default to your second bench or your first uh, bench option that uh, can make it in the game without uh, while remaining in the parameters. Okay, now my captain gets double the points. What if, so whatever he scores, he gets double that. What if he doesn't play? Then you do not get double points. I get double zero, though. You get double zero. <laughs> Unlike Fantasy Premier League, there's no vice-captain. Unlike two years ago, there's no caparooing, there's no switcherooing going on of being creative with having a bench guy come in. Uh, for those of you who don't know, a couple of years ago, if your captain had don't to play... Even, don't even open the bag of worms. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> so just, just know, if your captain does not play, you do not get double points. Okay, but he will still sub out, and whoever comes in, I will get the points that he gets, correct? He can still be subbed out, but your captain armband stays with the guy you gave it to. Excellent. And can the captain be changed even if you pick automatic substitutions? Can you still alter your captain armband uh, prior to the start time? Of can can you make uh, captain changes after the transfer deadline, but prior to your individual player's game? I have no idea. I'm assuming you can. 
I believe you. You, can. you you may change your captain. Yeah. If if your captain hasn't played and there's a guy you want a captain who also has not played, yeah, you can still do that. Part of the the manager sub option. It just will never it will never automatically switch. Okay. Yeah, but my question was, if you select auto sub as your option, can you still make that manual change? No. Since since we talked before, I, I believe you found out that you have to decide before or after. So I would assume then that if you took auto subs, then you couldn't jump in there to, to change it to manager to make that change. Interesting. Interesting. Well, all right. Now, you guys, when you guys were going through this, you talked a lot about double game weeks. What exactly is that? How does that work out? A double game week is where a team has multiple or two uh, fixtures within a round. Um, now, for the, the the key players of those teams, it often means that instead of 90 minutes, they get you know close at least 150 minutes, if not 180 minutes. Um, a lot of those teams that do have double game weeks, there is some squad rotation. So you want to be able to to kind of get a read on the pulse of. Uh, the different teams and how they manage uh, fixture congestion. Uh, but there's some great opportunities in those double game weeks to essentially um, have players play uh, you know, close to 180 minutes instead of the typical 90, um, and they, they still rack up all the points like they would. So it's a, you know, essentially a two-for-one, um, and you can look at which teams have double game weeks based on the, the schedule you can find at MLS Fantasy Boss. Now, when I'm picking for that, would I expect my person to basically get double what they normally get? Not necessarily. You could still have a guy, let's take a keeper, for example. Maybe he gets a shutout in one game, but then maybe he gets blown out the next one because his regular defense didn't start. So you just get the total of what happened. So on double game weeks, players tend to be a little bit more tired, so they might not perform as well the second game, um, or they might not necessarily start both games because the coach might want to arrest them, so I should be a little bit careful when I'm picking a double game week player. I think that's, that's, that's fair. I think uh, every, every team manages fixture congestions a little bit different, so you, you want to keep up on Twitter, and, and especially to see who travels with the team, um, see what they've done where they've had... Uh, short-term rest in the past, um, you'll you'll start to pick up quickly which players are kind of the rock in the teams, and and they're just minute um, minute warriors where they'll they just don't get tired, they don't need much regeneration, and they'll just uh, show up and, and play every minute of every game. And those are typically the safer bets when it comes to trying to maximize double game week potential. Um, usually, you'll see that a lot with center center backs. Um, Keepers. As long as they don't have yellow card accumulations or, or anything, they'll they typically uh, you can pencil them into your lineup. So, you know, double game weeks is another uh, maybe a time where you look at defenders more so than than uh, otherwise. Awesome. You guys have done covered so much information. You've basically answered the next couple questions. Um, we talked about set piece takers and why they're so important. How you can get extra key passes and cross bonuses, assist bonuses, and more goals. So um, I think that's kind of covered. Um, we covered why center backs are important and the fact that they get a lot more CBIs and recoveries, so they're more likely to add up those bonus points. Um, best formation, we talked about how there is none, and it really is what's best for your team, but it uh, sounds like you guys like to keep three defenders as opposed to going with a four or five defender set. So that's all good stuff. Um, what are the major rookie mistakes that a lot of people make that, that, that every new beginner should try to avoid? So let's just go, let's just go around and just list them, and uh, I'm going to throw in a couple of my own too. So, Paul, what do you got? 
<laughs> being a homer, right? I mean, a lot of people who are new to fantasy MLS um, are actually still learning the league. They might know, you know, the starting eleven on their own team, uh, and therefore they're gonna pick the familiar faces. Um, and there's, you know, you you like to root for people <laughs> who you're rooting for anyway, so might as well put them on your fantasy team. So, uh, oftentimes a rookie mistake will be starting out with four players of your own team, even though they happen to play three of their first four away against the reigning champions. <laughs> so, so that would be one. All right. What do you think, Reed? Which one you would want to avoid? Forgetting about the obligations for international competitions, so we've got the Gold Cup this year. We've got the uh, CCL League, the CONCACAF Champions League as well, and uh, these are times when the teams are going to be having double duty as well to complete, compete in these international competitions, and big players will not be there. And so it's really important to just be mindful um, of when those are coming up. Usually when you see an unlimited transfer week coming up, there's probably a reason why, and so it might be good to ask around or, or just keep an eye out on, on the posting for people talking about those options. But you can easily wake up one morning and say, oh, half my team's gone. What happened? I think one for me would be uh, forgetting to set your lineup, forgetting about deadlines or not staying up on injuries. And one of the tools that the that the website does provide is email updates, so they will send you an alert. Um, I think it's it goes out like the day of the first game of the week, so or maybe the day before if it's a Saturday game, it lets you know hey you got to pick this, and they'll tell you if there's any um, any well known information on a player as far as injury goes or suspension or something like that. So it'll say hey uh, Higuain is injured and out for this game. So make sure you've got that selected so that you get those updates so you can avoid those. Can you think of another one, Paul? Yeah, don't overreact. I mean, anything can happen in week one. It, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's a crapshoot, but, I mean, you're making educated guesses. Um, so, I mean, you're going to have a forward on your team who just doesn't score, and he's gonna, you're going to look at his point total, and it's going to read two. Or maybe you got a yellow card, and it's going to read one. Uh, you know, as long as you, you know, did your research prior to the season, you know you have someone who's going to be starting every game, uh, he's going to get his opportunities, then, you know, Stay the course. Don't necessarily say, oh, no, I, you know, two of my midfielders only got two points. One of my forwards got only two points. I need to make wholesale changes. And, and then uh, you end up taking hits because of it. I'd, I'd at least give it a give every player on your team, assuming they're starting, um, at least two, three weeks to, to determine their worth and if you want to keep them moving forward. And that's why I like to break down the schedule into little sprints, as I call them. And for me, that's the first three weeks. So I'm, I'm trying to build the best team I can that'll look good for the first three weeks and then, you know, uh, kind of either decide to pivot or, or move forward at, at that point. But, you know, I see people overreact all the time after, a, you know, a subpar week one, and, and I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah, one alteration to what you said is I would overreact if my player got a red card because that means he's not playing the next week. So Did I, would... I say red? I thought I said yellow. Uh, I thought you said red one of those times, but I'm probably wrong. Okay. But, yeah, if yeah. your player gets a red, go ahead yeah, you don't and want transfer him, in your him out. You're good to go. Uh, how about you? You got another one for us, Reed? I do, and it's it's mostly just be inquisitive and ask questions. The, the Reddit community... We frequently have people who post rate my team, so don't don't be afraid to say, "Hey, I'm new. Can you can you give me some thoughts? I, I haven't heard of this guy. What do you what do you think about this?" Because there's a lot of really friendly people out there who like to help new people, and I mean, frankly, it gives us ideas sometimes too. And when we see something that's different, we're like, "Why did he maybe pick that one? Maybe I should look at that guy." So don't be afraid to ask and and post your team and 
And just because you're not doing what everybody else is doing doesn't make it wrong. All right. Um, anybody else got another rookie mistake? I, I just not necessarily a mistake, but I, I think a lot of people, um, you know, stick around for the first few weeks and then you know slowly lose interest. And I think a part of that is because they don't have that community or they don't know where to go. So I, I think um, having uh, to avoid a rookie mistake would be having a, a list of resources, you know, like Reddit or MLS Fantasy Boss, where you can, you know, just even trash talk or banter with people and, and, you know, feel good when you make a prediction and it actually comes true. Because, you know, playing by yourself when you don't have anyone, you know, that, that plays with you, um, yeah, you, you want to stay involved. Uh, so I'd recommend the communities. I'd, I'd recommend, um, you know, posting your team on Reddit, like Reed said, and, and uh, uh, just just try to stay involved and, and uh, at least for me I found that uh, the more I stuck with it the more I actually got interested in the league uh, you know if, if there's a if there's a game of the week and it's you know I'm in Seattle but if there's a game of the week and it's New England versus um, Columbus I really wouldn't care right but then all of a sudden when I have fantasy players and then I start learning the the players and appreciating what they bring to the table and and seeing how they match up against my team, the Sounders. Uh, whereas before, I just you know would turn the channel to something else that I didn't really care. So, uh, yeah, I, I think getting involved in the community, learning about the league, and, and just uh, appreciating it for what it is uh, can help you stay involved in fantasy throughout the whole year. Yeah, I think fantasy does help you learn a lot about the league. And you mentioned the community, and I think that it's, it's such an easy community, an easygoing community. I mean, I met you through... Through it, I meant read everybody that's been on the podcast. We're all in different locations and don't know each other personally, and we've kind of come together through this. So it's important. And you mentioned, you know, um, you know, being able to make predictions. And so I know it was it was a lot of fun for me last year when you got like half of the half of the uh, fantasy boss league to get Marco Pablo Papa Ponce, <laughs> and then he flopped the first couple of weeks. So <laughs> that was a lot of fun for me. And, um, you know, that, that kind of leads me to the next question, is where can people go to kind of get involved in the community or get feedback or ask questions, get get tips? What uh, What's your number one site, Paul? I like MLS Fantasy Boss. I like the chat there, especially on game day. It's you know there's a lot of people in there. They're always you know discussing strategy or or trying to figure out last minute injury situations. I also follow you know the the SB Nation blogs. Uh, if you're a fan of one particular team, I'd start with whatever your blog is. There, just type in SB Nation and the name of your team in Google, and, and you'll find the, the the blog for Seattle at Sounder at Heart, and you'll just find a lot of good information about your team, and, and then or about your your real MLS team, uh, and, and then you start can link to other blogs and and contribute there, uh, and, and then before you know it, you, you just have information pouring on Reddit and. Twitter and you know, but it, but it, it takes a conscious decision to to, to learn. Uh, I think a lot of new. I said it before, but I think a lot of new fantasy players they just know their own team, and it, it's about bridging the gap between just knowing your other team to you know developing an interest for what's going on as the league as a whole. And, and once you do that, uh, the resources are they're out there. There are SB Nation blogs. There are the beat writers on Twitter. There's the Reddit community. There's MLS Fantasy Boss, and, I, and I'd say some of the writers at MLSsoccer.com are even putting more effort uh, into fantasy content this year and recent years. Uh, so there's a lot of places to look. It's just, you know, do you want to find it or not? And, and the way you do that is by being interested in the league as a whole. 
All right, you mentioned MLSFantasyBoss.com, which is actually Reed's website, where he has the chat and he has a lot of different posts and that kind of thing. And so that I highly recommend that one as well. Now, Reed also is writing for MLS.com, and what what's the website? Is it just the, the major website, Reed, that you can find your articles on MLS.com, or is it MLSsoccer.com, I should say? Um, or uh, is it a special sub... Well, the easiest way to get there, if you want to type it in directly, is mlssoccer.com slash news slash fantasy. And that will give you a list of everyone who's doing a fantasy. We've got me, the fantasy boss. We've got the fantasy doctor. We've got Travis, the numbers guy. We've, we've got all sorts of people writing one-on-one tips there as well with Andrew Winner. We've got past winners, and we've got Andrew Wiebe and Jason Seguini, who are, are fantastic with the starting lineup podcast. So... Um, yeah, it's it's been a, a lot of fun so far to to be able to be a part of that this year. Now you mentioned starting lineup with Weebs and Sadsack. What? Uh, how do you find those videos? Those are also uh, available on the MLS website. If you go to the, the fantasy section uh, or under the advice section, there's a a link right there for MLS or for starting lineup videos. It's right above MLS Fantasy 101. And that's just your your weekly video cast with with two MLS pros. Nice. And then I think the site we all kind of got to know each other was uh, thanks to Cully and Travis back a couple years ago. Was uh, Reddit? What's the? What, how do you find that one? What's the URL we're going to? That is Reddit.com/r the letter R slash Fantasy MLS. And so yeah, that's a that's a great community. Travis and I uh, are the moderators there. So we, we try to keep it going as smooth as we can. But lots of people are always posting unique content and, and questions and discussions really are pretty productive there. All right, and then you bring up some, uh, you tend to gather different information sites as you find them and you share them well. Can you think of any other sources that haven't been mentioned that we might want to might wanna cover? You know, it's kind of hard. Un- unlike Fantasy Premier League, there's just not the plethora of, of sites that are out there. People are popping up all the time. Every now and then I'll have something sent to me on Twitter or in my emails saying, hey, here's my website, or hey, what do you think about this? And I always try to assemble those on my website near the end of the week. I have an 11th hour transfer post where I, I just try to collect what I could find around the web because uh, I love it when people come to my site, but it's not. that's just me. It's not necessarily the best advice. It's, it's not the only advice, and so I try to let other people talk. Um, the SB Nation blogs that Paul has mentioned are, are really good. I think, I don't know if it was a revolution-specific blog, but one of those last year kept track of where shots happened from on the field and where they were being scored from for the field. So that was something I tried to keep an eye on. Um, Travis was writing for Houston Dynamo with Dynamo Theory there last year. He's now writing for, for MLS. Total MLS, total-mls.com, they usually have some fantasy things. So there's, you just got to look, unfortunately, and people do try to get those posted to to the Reddit, which is why one reason why that's such a great place. All right. Yeah, fantasy MLS is growing, but uh, it's not like uh, for those of you in North America who play fantasy football or fantasy or NFL football or fantasy baseball, where stuff is just dumped on you. You just go to the front of you know major web network website and and they tell you your top three starters for the week. It's unfortunately you have to do a little bit more digging, but the information is out there. And there's good people putting it out there, and you just gotta make the conscious effort to to stay up to date. And MLSFantasyBoss.com is always my uh, starting point, and it's not only the chat, but 
uh, there's a lot of good articles. Even you know now is a good time to check that as well because uh, preseason there's a lot of good articles on you know finding value in players and and how to deal with the schedule and keeper rotations and and uh, that would be my number one starting point. Yeah, I started a, a guest tips of the week, which could be more than one a week actually now, where just other people who have things to say but don't necessarily have the platform to publish it on or just post to infrequently uh, have been given the chance to post. And I, and I put it up on my site. So Corolla, who is a mod at, uh, at uh, RMLS, had a, had a website that he just wasn't posting a lot on. And so he's submitted some stuff to me that I posted for him. And he is, he is great when it comes to to crunching some numbers, and he has a really good article up right now about how to identify value at different tiers, and so it's definitely a great read. And if anybody else has things they want to share, they're welcome to send them to me. I do look through them to make sure it's not just something random and crazy to make sure there's some quality there, but but anything good I try to get try to get posted. Well, that that is great. There are sources out there. Um, I think your site, MLS Fantasy Boss, is really the place to go because you have links to the to the Reddit, you have links to MLS Overlord, you have links to different blogs, you have links to Fantasy Manager, you have um, Fantasy Biz, Jason. Yeah, Jason's site with with where he I don't know if that's for the beginner. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, cat, that cat just massages some numbers and puts out some pretty charts, but um, it's it's definitely an amazing site. Um, so there's a lot of stuff, and you tend to tend to kind of get it all on your site and make sure it's it's easily accessible to everyone. So if you want to remember one thing from this podcast, I would say MLSFantasyBoss.com is what you want to remember. Um, Paul, Reed, I want to thank you guys for kind of breaking everything down and really spending your morning talking about, or afternoon now, uh, talking about MLS Fantasy Soccer. So thank you guys both. Definitely. It. It's, it's fun. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, it's a, you know, I got to meet you guys and a lot of other cool people. Uh, through doing this, and, and uh, just want to champion the the growth of the, of fantasy MLS because just like uh, the other major leagues, the, the baseballs and the footballs of the world, uh, this is a lot of fun too. Yeah, this is uh this is this is unique, not necessarily like the other fantasy sports because in this one you're actually competing against the entire nation and in a couple instances the entire world. So it's it's uh, it's definitely unique in the fantasy world. So thank you guys, beginners. I hope you guys have a blast this year. I hope you do great. Set set goals for yourself, you know, aim for that top five hundred and when you hit it, aim for that top two hundred. And if you need help, go to MLSFantasyBoss.com, go to the Reddit. We're all here for you. So uh, have a great season everybody. Definitely, and uh, if it's your first time listening to our podcast, there will be more coming up. Be sure to subscribe and rate a good rating with hope on iTunes, possibly soon Stitcher, and we're also on SoundCloud, so do that. If you're looking for leagues to join, we mentioned a few. Our Fantasy MLS, the code is 4-302. The head-to-head league for Fantasy MLS is 4-304. And if you want to kind of join some of these weirdos at MLS Fantasy Boss, that league is 4-301. So thank you so much, and good luck.